Y'all ready to preach? Here we go. Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, verse 14. If you're ready, somebody say, yeah. yeah. Come on, Baltimore County. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. Here it goes. Before, very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster. So down from the island, the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wave. Watch this. So they gave way to it. Somebody said they gave way to it. My prayer at the end of this message is that no one would give way to your storm. That you wouldn't surrender to the storm that you're in right now, but you'd push through to the other side. So they were driven along, and as we passed to the lee of the small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard, and then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. The exact reason that they had made the journey to take cargo from point A to point B in the middle of the storm, they started throwing it overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands and when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, watch this, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Here's what I know for a fact here in Columbia, BWI, Baltimore, those watching online. May not be everybody, but there's some people in this room that you've given up all hope. You've given up all hope of ever defeating depression. You've given up all hope of ever being excited about tomorrow. You've given up all hope about the storm that you're in. And I just want you to know even before I preach this message that Jesus is in this room and he's going to insert hope into your heart. And the Bible says that the hope that he gives does not disappoint. So they'd given up all hope of being saved. After they'd gone a long time without fool, Paul stood up before them and said, I love Paul. He said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Nothing like I told you so on the worst day of your life. Come on now, if you're just having a bad day, you need somebody to tell you, I told you not to marry her. I told you not to date him. I told you not to move to that city, not to take that. You just, it just, it's always good. Captain Obvious. Thanks a lot, Paul. So I told y'all you shouldn't have sailed from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves in this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Well, thanks, Paul. Last night, an angel, listen to this confidence, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Paul said, I know whose I am and I know what I'm about. And he said, he sent an angel and stood next to me. He said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God graciously has given me the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on somebody's island. Hey, it's going to be painful, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be worth it. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, we're not just in church. We're not just with friends, we're not just with family. We are in your presence. And God, you wouldn't have shown up if it wasn't to heal, to deliver, to open eyes, to bring breakthrough. You're the God that took five loaves and two fish and you multiplied it to feed 5,000. I pray that you take this one message and you make it personal to every single person in the sound of my voice. God, we preemptively say, when you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Can somebody shout amen? Come on, Baltimore County. Somebody shout amen in this place. We are starting what we call at Union Church a sermon series today called Shipwrecked on purpose. And what a sermon series is, is it's basically just an idea or a thought. It's actually one message that we break up into four or six different parts. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how do we survive the shipwrecks, the storms of life. Today, I want to preach a message called, Why Does God Let Storms Happen? In this passage, we find Paul, the apostle, 
And many of you may know that Paul actually wrote two-thirds of the entire New Testament. He had raised the dead, healed the sick. He was a child of God. And yet he found himself in the middle of a storm, almost to the edge of losing his life. You ever been in a position in life where you even felt like, I don't deserve this? Like, like what have I? God, I've been to church. I've been tired. I don't do you ever, You're not as ignorant as I am. You ever felt like, God, I know who does deserve this? Like, if you're looking for somebody's life to ruin, if you're looking, maybe I'm the only one who thinks this way, but God, if you're looking for someone who deserves this storm, I know a person. It's just not me. Why does God let storms in our life? I've never been out to sea uh, in a storm, but I have been uh, stuck in the middle of the ocean before. My wife and I, we, uh, we got married uh, in 2013. It's been eight years, y'all, and we're going strong, and... God's blessing us and all that other good stuff. But, but we were on our honeymoon in Dominican Republic, and it was amazing. God has blessed me with one of the, the, the most amazing women I can imagine. Zaya is just selfless. And when she found out that I love deep sea fishing, she planned a deep sea fishing trip on our honeymoon off the coast of the Dominican Republic. So we went to bed that night. She said, hey, baby, I wake up early. I got a surprise for you. I'm like, what is it? He's like, we are going fishing. And I'm like, stop playing. She's like, it's not just you're going. I'm coming with you. Now, that's a wife right there. <laughs> now, the husband's like, I don't know if I want her to come or want her to stay. Well, we were three days in. So at that point, we were inseparable. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, just send me. I'll be fine. <laughs> But we woke up the next morning. We were, we were at one of those all-inclusive resorts that all the food is free. And you got to understand, we were kind of broke back then. We were struggling a little bit. So you see free food, and you just start thinking they may take it away tomorrow. <laughs> so we said, just in case they take it tomorrow, we're going to eat it all today. And, I mean, we went in the entire fruit bar. They had little omelets that way you wanted to order. We had three different omelets. I mean, we had it to go back. We gorged ourselves. Then we make our way down to the dock where the boat was. You ever been through a difficult season of your life and after you went through that season, you look back and you said, I should have seen that coming. I, I should have known not to trust them. I should have known not to, I should. We were kind of in that boat where in hindsight, we should have never been in that situation. The first sign that we should have seen it coming is when the captain introduced himself and said, hey, I'm, I'm Coca-Cola. <laughs> Brother said his name was, somebody say that's problem number one. If the ship you're on is captained by a, name, a guy named Coca-Cola, you are in trouble. The second thing we should have known is when Coca-Cola looked like Chad Ochocinco from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I don't know if you're in witness protection or what, but you looked... I was so happy you got it. I was just ready to go. I've, I've always been one of those guys that even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm addressed apart. Back in high school, when I played basketball, I stole one of my sister's pantyhose, maybe a little Allen Iverson sleeve. Like, I was just always going to look the part, even if I couldn't do what I was doing. So, y'all, I showed up to that boat looking like I owned that thing. Had my little docker pants on, and my little thigh-high docker stained defenders, and my fishing shirt buttoned down in my belly button. I was married, so I could do that now. Had my little fishing. I was ready. Your brother looked like he could fish. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was ready to go. We get on that boat, and they push us off. And somebody say sign number three. I should have known we were going to be in trouble when there was black smoke billowing out from un... I just wasn't that bright ball. And I was just like, you know, maybe it's a diesel engine. You know, maybe, maybe it's just a Dominican. We, look, we booked this trip on Expedia. No way Expedia is going to leave us out in the ocean. That's just not going to happen. That's when you trust the internet too much. We get in the boat. There's music playing. Like, don't worry. I'm like, hey, don't worry, man. Had three Canadians on the boat with us, two brothers from Brazil, and we were going deep sea fishing. We start going out to sea, probably about 45 minutes. We were over a mile off coast. We could see the island about this small. Next thing I know, Coca-Cola, he shuts the engine off. Or at least I thought he shut the engine off. <laughs> Next thing I know from the captain's bridge, I hear, uh-oh. Like, what you mean, uh-oh? Like, the engine shut off. I said, you mean you shut the engine off? He said, no, nah, I'm on. Some of you are like, that's not a Dominican Republic accent. Leave me alone, right? It's for effect. Anyway, he said, it shut up. He said, don't worry. He said, I'll call for help. Now we lost an hour of our shipping, uh, our, our fishing trip. Next thing I hear, uh-oh. What you mean, uh-oh? I don't have any cell phone reception. Yo, we're a mile off coast. He said, but don't worry. When we don't come back, They'll realize we were missing. 
and they'll send another boat. I said, how long were you supposed to be out here? Six hours. So it's going to be six hours? Yeah, I'm on. One hour goes by. I mean, it's the ocean. It's beautiful. Two hours goes by, that boat starts going. Hour three. Next thing I know, my beautiful wife, she's on the edge. Bomblet and mango. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm rubbing her back. I'm like, oh, babe, that's okay. What I'm really thinking is women. You know they're the weaker species, right? <laughs> Next thing I know, hour four, I'm on the edge of that boat. Bomblet. Now, here, she threw up. I didn't throw up. I was putting bait out for the fish. That's what I was doing. By hour six, the Canadians, the Brazilians, everybody on that boat was on the, I mean, just, and I wasn't suicidal. At least I don't think I was. But I'm not going to lie, at some point on that ship, I was like, maybe it'd be better if I just jumped in. Now, I can't swim, but maybe I'd have a better faith. We were utterly, y'all may not know about this. Me and my wife, we waited until marriage, and, and I was just like, God, I know you're going to come back and crack the sky and take us to heaven, but can you wait till my honeymoon night? Like, God, I know I want to go to heaven all night, but you just got to give me one shot. I just need. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. That's called living right. But anyway, I'm literally sitting on that ship like, God, I didn't mean three days after. I mean, could I get a week? Are you really going to kill me? And I didn't have fun yet. Pray for me, I need Jesus. Y'all, we were utterly hopeless, utterly stuck. And we weren't even in a storm. We were just stuck at sea. Some of you, it's not sea that you're stuck at, it's life. Where there's not a storm raging around you, the problem with where you are is today looks just like yesterday did. Yesterday looked just like last week, and last week looked just like last year. You're looking around like, is this all there is to life? Is this all that I have to look forward to? Some of you are like, Pastor, I would pay to be stuck. Because being stuck would be 10 times better than the storm I'm in right now. Some of you are facing the storm of your life. Some of you, the storm is a mental health storm. Where it takes all the energy that you have just to put your clothes on and get out of bed in the morning. Maybe it's not you facing a mental health storm. Maybe it's a family member and you're looking on helplessly wishing that you could do something about it and there's nothing you can do. Maybe the storm that you're facing is a health concern where you're just going in for treatment after treatment after treatment or therapy after therapy after therapy. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe you looked and you said, man, how did I drift this deep in the debt? I would have never seen myself here. Maybe your storm is the fact that you have three kids all under five. You're a pastor of a church leading it through the pen. Oh, sorry, that's my storm. Here's what I do know. In life, you will have storms. It's inevitable. You, you, you will go through a storm. I've heard it said. Everybody in life, you're in one of three different positions. You're either currently in a storm. You're coming out of a storm. You guessed it. Or you're getting ready to head into a storm. This is Welcome Home Sunday. This is the encouraging guy. You brought. You told me to come out. This Sunday, this is the guy. He ain't that positive. I'm sorry. Let me be positive. I'm positive. <laughs> that everybody in this room, you're either in a storm coming out of a storm. Oh, you're getting ready to head into it. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. So what I've discovered is life is not about avoiding storms. Life is about maximizing storms. I've discovered a storm can either make me or it can break me. A storm can break me and cause me to do things that are so shameful I wouldn't even speak of. Or a storm can make me and bring a tenacity and a courage and a creativity out of me that God placed in me, but I never knew until I went through this storm. It all depends on your perspective in the storm. So what I want to do is I just want to take about the next three hours. It's not going to be a long message whatsoever. I'm only taking about, about three hours, maybe three and a half, if y'all don't say amen. <laughs> and just give you a toolbox of how do I survive the storm that I'm in? 
You may be saying, Pastor, I just got out of a storm. I wish you to preach this in July. Or maybe you're like, I'm not in the storm. Trust me, you'll need this, okay? Three thoughts, three thoughts. If you could write this down, grab your phone out, grab a pen, come on, do something, take notes in church. You may not know this, but you are more likely to go to heaven if you take notes in <laughs> church. That is completely made up, but it makes me feel good when I see you writing stuff down because I feel like I said something worth writing. All right, here's the first thing. Write this down. There's always hope in the storm. It doesn't matter what storm you're in. You got to understand there is always hope in the storm. Now, when I say a storm, what some of your definitions of a storm is not really a storm. And I know I'm offensive, but it's my anointing. Some of you people, what do you mean you people? I'm talking about you. Some of you people, you're just soft. That's not a storm. That's called a Tuesday. You know people like that? Everything's the worst day of the, oh my gosh, my nail tech is booked. I can't get my nail <laughs> Pastor, don't play with me. That is a storm. <laughs> well, you've been clawing through a storm. Anyway, <laughs> my barber, I can't. No, 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 we're not talking about that. Some of us, we're on the other extreme. We don't complain about things that are storms, and we don't complain about things that are storms. We just grit it out. We take pride in our high threshold for pain. And we're just like, it is a storm. So whatever, I'm good. I was built for this. Some of you, for the first time, you're going to realize that you're in a storm. Because what we call storm, you've just said, this is life. Pastor, this is all I've ever known. I don't know how you live, but in my life, I've had to fight for every single thing that I've had. Everything has been difficult. Everything has been a barrier. This is just life. I, I, I did some research about a bunch of different shipwrecks throughout history. I figured it's Welcome Home Sunday. Might as well sound educated on Welcome Home Sunday. So I, I read a whole bunch of stuff, and I discovered what you people already knew, that the most famous shipwreck in history is the Titanic. I ain't going to sing the song, but... But Titanic is the number one most studied shipwreck in the history of the world. And there's literally all types of historians that have built careers over studying this. And many historians believe that the shipwreck of the Titanic was guaranteed before it ever left the port. And what a lot of historians said is it wasn't the iceberg that caused the ship to sink. It was pride. So the reason why the Titanic sunk is because they thought it was unsinkable. They thought they had built something that was so technologically advanced that there is nothing that nature could have brought its way to sink it. Some of us are in danger because we think that we're exempt from storms. So what happened is because they never thought that they could sink, they weren't looking for any barriers in their way. And even after they struck the iceberg, that iceberg ripped a 300-foot hole in the hull of the ship. They didn't even tell anybody for an hour and a half. Because they said, man, we're taking on water, but we can take it. I wonder how many of us are taking on water, but we haven't told anybody. Because we're like, I can take it. This isn't going to sink me. Yeah, I just buried a loved one, but it's not going to sink me. Yeah, I just closed a business that I gave 10 years of my life to, but it's not going to sink me. Taking on water and not even realizing. After an hour and a half of not telling anybody, they finally went and said, hey, the ship is going down. We got to get on life raft. The problem is because they weren't telling people, they were too busy partying. And they said a lot of people on that ship were too inebriated to even get on the life raft. I promise you, Baltimore, this message is going to get good at the end, but it's going to be a little tight right now. I'm just going to warn you, it's going to be a little tight right now. Y'all all right? Some of us are so inebriated in our own success that we don't realize we're taking on water and in danger of a shipwreck. Some of us are so inebriated by our fans and people that are impressed with us and wish they had our life and all the friends that we have around us without even realizing it. You don't know. You are in the fight of your life. The decision that you make in this season of your life will dictate the trajectory in the next 20 years of your life. How, how do I know that I'm in a storm? Can I give you some clues? You know you're in a storm 
When a situation outside of your control has changed the trajectory of your life and altered your dreams. It says when that northeastern wind hit that ship, they were heading to Rome, but they just decided, I'm going to go wherever it takes me. You know you're in a storm when that sickness hits and it just turns all your plans for the next five years. When that relationship breaks apart, when that, that contract falls out or whatever maybe, you know you're in a storm when you're getting hit by wave after wave after wave after wave. When it doesn't matter what day it is, there's going to be bad news with this day. You ever been in one of those situations where you're scared to pick up your phone or check your email? Because you're just like, I cannot deal with another bit of bad news. And I know you're not like this because you people love Jesus, but I kind of get myself in this position. Even when life is good, I'm still paranoid. It could be calm seas, no problems, but I'm still on edge because I'm just waiting. What's going to be the next wave that hits? Because I've been in so many storms, I don't even know how to relax when I'm not. They used to say it's like this. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You ever been out there chilling with your friends and just like, you all right? Like, I'm good. You sure? I'm good. Yeah, I believe you. How do I know I'm in a storm? You're in a storm when the winds are swirling so hard they're controlling you. In the Bible, winds represent words. When negativity seems to be a cloud that's just hanging over your head. It doesn't matter what the situation is. You can't see anything positive in it. It could be a random Wednesday and somehow your imagination has how this is about to be the worst day of your life. The disciples found themselves in a storm. They were in a boat and there were waves crashing all over the place. And the Bible says that they were in despair of their own lives. They thought this storm was going to take them out. Jesus was asleep in the hull of the boat. That's a different message for a different day. But I need Jesus to teach me how to sleep in a storm. I don't sleep in storms. I stay awake and I stare at my phone trying to figure out who in this contact list can get me out of it. Jesus, can you teach me how to sleep through a storm? But here's what the disciples said in Mark. Chapter 4, verse 37, it says this, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling with water. He, being Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. If you don't think the Bible's funny, you're reading it the wrong way. Like, these jokers are screaming, and Jesus is like, <laughs> They come to Jesus, and they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, listen to this, do you not care? That we're perishing. They have the creator of the universe, Baltimore, in their boat. They have the man that literally just raised the dead. Literally just healed the sick, cast out demons, took five loaves, two fish, fed 5,000 people. They wake him up and they don't ask him to fix the problem. They wake him up and they don't ask him, what should we do? They wake him up and they accuse him of not caring about their lives. Remember how many, I wonder how many of us find ourselves in the position where we are saying, God, don't you care? I've discovered many of us don't have the guts to say things to God, but our actions do. Like you would never say you're mad at God because you read the Old Testament. He'd be opening up the ground, just swallowing people, just killing people. And I, I know we in the New Testament, but I don't know if he's still in the business of killing people. So just in case, I ain't about to say it. But the actions of my life are screaming, I don't think you care. You know what one action says, I don't think God cares? When we try to fix problems without him. When we're in the midst of a storm, but we don't ask for his involvement, we just try to make it work ourselves. The only reason why you would try to make it work yourself is if you think he doesn't care. You know another action that we have that shows that we think God doesn't care about us? When we get into a position where we're performing for God. God, I've been in church for the last six weeks straight. Aren't you proud of me? God, I'm tithing. God, I'm in three different connects. God, look at all I'm doing for you. Now you should love me. Because we've bought the lie that he only cares for us if we do good for him and perform for him. When the Bible says he so cared about you while you were ratchet, I mean, while you were yet sinners. <laughs> he didn't die for you when you were perfect. He died for you when you weren't even thinking about him. God sent me to say, if you're a follower of God, if you believe in Jesus, here's what you need to understand. That you may be in a storm, but Jesus is in that boat with you. 
And you got to understand that if Jesus is in that boat with you, there is no storm that can take you out. Hope himself is in that boat with you. Hope himself is in that situation with you. If the disciples had the entire Bible like we have the entire Bible, they would realize there's nowhere in Scripture where it says the God of the universe dies in a shipping accident. It is that he was the lamb that was slain that drowned in the ocean. It is that God so loved the world that he drowned in the sea. No, no, no. He came to die on a cross, and because there was no cross around, it means that he wasn't going to die in that situation. And just by the simple fact that he was in the boat means that the boat was not going to go down. Hear me. If Jesus is in my marriage, it means my marriage can't go down. If Jesus is in my finances, it means my finances can't go down. If Jesus is in my parenting, it means my children can't go down. As long as he's in my my boat, it means my boat can't sink. So yeah, the waves may come, the winds may crash. It may get real scary. It's not going down because he's there. Isaiah 59, 19 says this, so shall they fear the name of the Lord. God, teach me how to reverence your name more than I reverence my problems. So often, we fear sickness more than we fear the healer. We fear job loss more than we fear the provider. He said, and his glory from the rise in the sun, because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Let me remind you, if you are a follower of God, you are unsinkable. Because Jesus is in your boat. My heart, however, breaks for the people that don't have Jesus in their boat. My heart breaks for the people that think they have Jesus in their boat, but what you really have is you have church in your boat. You have religious exercises in your boat. You have a belief that God is real. Here's what the Bible says. Even demons believe that God is real. And it says they reverence him. Believing that God is real doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make Jesus in your boat. Giving him control of your life. I'm not going to lie to you. As I was preparing this message, my heart broke for those of you that are going through a storm, but you don't have Jesus in your boat. The greatest storm I ever faced was when my mom passed away. And I know for a fact the only reason I'm in my right mind right now is because Jesus sustained me through that. I remember four weeks, Baltimore, after she passed away, I was back on the platform preaching, preaching about how God's a healer and a deliverer and all this. And after service, I went on the lobby and a young man came up to me. I said, young man, like I'm old, but he was a young man. That's what preachers say. And he came up to me and said, why are you so happy? And I'm like, what? First of all, your breath stinks. Here's a peppermint. Second of all, <laughs> sorry, things preachers say, think, but shouldn't say. And I said, I don't even know what he said. So your mom, you just buried your mom. Why are you so happy? said, I'm not happy. I'm heartbroken. And everything inside of me wants to crawl under the covers of my bed and not get up. But you know what? Every morning when I wake up, there is a strength that I can't even express to you that surpasses all understanding. And it puts my feet on the ground and clothes on my back. And it still has hope in my heart. You see, before my mom passed, I thought grace was only for sinners. You know, for by grace, you have been saved. If, if you ratchet, you need God's grace. It's after she passed that I came and encountered the sustaining grace of God. Not grace to save you, but grace to keep you in a purpose that's beyond all that your natural strength can take you to. Second thing is this, write this down, write this down, write this down. First, hey, there's always hope in the storm. B, there is a way through the storm. In Acts chapter 27, verse 23, Paul said, Last night, an angel of the God who I belong to and whom I serve, he came to me and he gave me specific instructions of how to survive this storm. Here, y'all can understand. I love church. I'm a pastor. I build church, but I'm also a pastor's kid, so church irritates me. Because sometimes church is like, God is good. All right, go home. What am I going to do with that, pastor? God's good, but my kids are still ratchet. God's good, but my money's still funny. Like, no, no, no. 
The angel didn't just say, hey, you're going to survive. He said, here's specific instructions on how to survive the storm. Hear me. We don't serve a God of just hope. He's a God of hope and wisdom. He's a God of strength and of strategy. He is a God that will give you action steps to make it through the storm. Just a quick question. It has nothing to do with the message. Quick question. How many people, you, you, you're afraid of bugs. You're afraid of bugs. Come on, Baltimore, BWI. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shameful. We won't judge you. We will. But I do. Okay, okay. okay. This is just, you're just, just scared of bugs. Yeah. You're a grown dog on an adult, and you're, you're scared of bugs. Yeah. You, you're not even high school. You, you got a driver's license. You're scared of bugs. Okay, okay, no, go, go, go. If you're, if, you're, if you're scared of bugs, I, got, I got, got two things for you. First thing's Freedom Conference. Freedom Conference, Freedom Conference. Yeah, just, you go to Freedom Conference, we'll cast the spirit of bugs off of you. <laughs> so I got another question for you. People, you, you're scared of bugs. You know you're bigger, right? I'm just saying, maybe, maybe never realize. <laughs> this pastor is ignorant. He is, yeah. I mean, we got bug. We got you. <laughs> pastor with cicadas, you're 17. Okay, we got cicadas. And we got you. You try to tell me you're scared. Pastor, don't judge me, okay? I am, I am, I am. I'm not supposed to, but I am. What was that new thing? I was driving a car with somebody I won't talk about. It's my sister. But um, <laughs> we were driving, and, you know, I got a little control issue. I don't like people driving me around. I like to drive. So it was already a big surrender for me to let somebody else drive. And she's driving. And, you know, she's got two hands on the steering wheel. Anybody who drives with two hands, they already make me nervous. Why are you nervous? Now I'm nervous. <laughs> and she's looking around. I'm, just, I'm looking around. What's she looking at? <laughs> Y'all, next thing I know, there was a bee in the car. Y'all might have had the same scenario. I don't know how the bee got there. It was a messenger from Satan. All I know is one second she's driving. The next second she's not. Who was driving? I guess it was Jesus because she was. Like it's a bee. And I'm like, this is a car. This weighs 3,000 pounds. We're going 50 miles per hour. And you're concerned about that bee? like, it could stake me. We could die. <laughs> Pastor, what does it have to do with anything? Some of our reactions to our storms make the storm worse than it was in the first place. Yeah, it's a storm. Yeah, it's a problem. Yes, it's real. But your overreaction to the storm has now multiplied the effects of, come on, can you, 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 don't, you don't understand. Preaching is fun. You get to talk about people and walk off in the back room. So can, 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 can you help me preach? Just, just, just look at the person that you tell, tell calm down. Come on, come on, come on. Say, say it like a prophet. Say the, the word of the Lord to you today. It's the calm down. The one thing Paul did right, he did a lot of things right, but one thing he did right is he kept a calm head. I didn't even preach this in any of those services. The only reason that the angel could speak to Paul is because Paul went to sleep. Paul said, in my dream, an angel came to me. If he wasn't dreaming, the angel wouldn't have come. If he was up on the dock just pacing, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? How? Listen, some of y'all, this is the only word you need to hear from God today. Go to sleep. You staying up till 2 a.m. and waking up at 6 a.m. is not making it any better. You're just cranky and none of us want to be around you. Go. You're not you when you're sleeping. The angel came and he said, here's what you need to do. There's three things you need to do. Step number one, throw everything overboard that you don't need. There's nothing like a storm that will reveal the dead weight in your life. There's nothing like a storm that will reveal the fact that you are carrying things, giving energy to things that are not taking you towards the call of God on your life. This last 18 months in this pandemic, is it 18, 19, 24? <laughs> just, just keeps going. Yeah, yeah, you ever notice when, when the pandemic first, especially when they shut everything down, you went home, there were certain people that you got on the phone with right away. Are you all right? 
You need anything? You got toilet paper? I got five rolls. I know I was supposed to buy one, but I got five. Don't worry about it. I got a hook up at Walmart. Just let me know. I get you some toilet paper. By the way, I think we found toilet paper, guys. You notice there's people you checked in on right away? You know there was other people that you... You still ain't called him. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just asking. If you didn't need them to get through the worst storm of your life. This sounds mean, but why were you carrying them in the first place? It's not just people. It's dreams. It's ambitions. It, there's nothing like a storm that reveals to us. There's just certain things where carrying in life certain grudges, certain bitterness, certain people that we don't forgive, but it's been 10 years. Come on, let's all sing what the Bible says. Let it go. Let it go. There's just certain things. Paul said, you got to throw that overboard or it's going to sink you and it doesn't even have anything to do with your purpose. The second thing he said, he said, tell everybody to stay with the ship. They actually found some of the soldiers. They were trying to steal the life rafts off of the side of the ship and sail off by themselves and leave everybody back to drown. There is nothing like a storm that will reveal selfishness in people. This past 18 months have been the most trying time of our generation, and it has been the most selfish time of our generation. Pastor, it's COVID out there. You expect me to go out there? No, no, I'm good. This, I would get drunk. Yeah, there's COVID out here. But there's homelessness too. There's people that are battling with suicide too. There's brokenness out there. And I'm, I'm, with, I'm with the mask, I'm with the Clorox, I'm with the staying safe. But I'm not with the self-preservation at the sake of everybody else. He said, if you're going to survive this storm, you can't just obsess over your problem. You got to see somebody. And I'm going to say this in a low voice because it's, I, your storm is real. I'm not minimizing it. I'm not trivializing it. Cancer is no joke. Job loss is no joke. A broken relationship is no joke. A broken heart is no joke. But it doesn't give you the right to cut off the rest of the world. And to say, I'm only going to worry about me. Matter of fact, doctors who don't even believe in God, they will tell you, a person facing a terminal sickness is more likely to beat that sickness if they have people other than themselves that they're living for. If they have relationships that mean something to them and people that they want to be. They said there's something about the body when it has something to live for that is bigger than itself. It kind of self-heals in a way. There's something about just seeing other people that brings life to us and brings our storms into proper perspective. Here's what the angel said. The only people that are going to get saved are the people who stay with the ship. Can I say it in a church way? The only people that are going to make it through the storm are the people that refuse to isolate themselves. The people that say, hey, I'm going to stay in community. I'm going to stay linked in to other people. Why is it in a storm we start to pretend like we're perfect? How you doing? God good? All the time and all the time God is good. I know God is good, but you're jacked. And why won't you just be real? You know, I'm getting in trouble. I need to move on. You know the only person who thinks we're perfect is us. I'm glad my wife is not in here because she'd be like, hey, man, I know he ain't. I don't want my kids to know I'm hurting. They already know. I don't want my co-workers to think I'm off my game. They know. And here's what I've discovered. I don't know who this is for because I haven't preached this in any other message. People have no grace for people who pretend to be perfect. But when you are humble enough to show people your scars, you'll be surprised the people that will come rushing in to lift you up and encourage you, to carry you through that storm and to cheer you on. Don't do life by yourself. Last thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. 
How do I survive a storm? First, never forget that there's hope in the storm if Jesus is in your boat. No, understand, it's not just hope, but he has strategy. There is a way through your storm. Last thing I need you to know is that there is always victory on the other side. There is no storm that God would allow you to go through that it's not better on that side than it was on this side. I'm not gonna lie. Welcome home Sunday is a lot of pressure, y'all. Like everybody invited their friends, their family. You're looking at me like you gotta impress me, Pastor, because I wasted my whole Sunday to be here. Don't you know kickoff happened like 30 minutes ago? So I, I mean, I did my homework. I read. I, I looked at every storm in the Bible. I looked at Noah, Noah's ark. I looked at Jonah and the whale. I looked at all the disciples and storms. And here's what I've discovered. Every storm in the Bible, there's only three reasons why people ended up in a storm. The first reason why anybody in the Bible ended up in a storm, the first reason is because they were running from God. And when you run from God, you run right into Jonah. Remember Jonah? God said, Jonah, I have a plan for your life. I'm going to use you to bring hope and healing to Nineveh. He said, I don't like Nineveh. Then people smell. And I've got a better, you know the definition of running from God? I've got a better plan. I'm going to do me. And the Bible says that God allowed a storm. Here's what we don't understand. God believes in your purpose more than you do. God said, you can run, but the only reason you're running is because you don't know how I made you. And how I made you is to transform a world, not just to give everything away, but fullness and purpose and joy is only found in me. You think you're going to find it out there. The only thing you're going to find out there is setback and heartache and pain. It's in my presence where there is fullness of joy. So I'm going to send a storm to let you know you have no other options. It's me or it's me. You know what's crazy about the storm that Jonah was in? He wasn't in the storm by himself, but he was the only person running from God. Everybody in his boat was going to sink with him because of his rebellion. This is a side magic. I know news on me. Some of you, the storm that you're in is not in you, and it's not your storm. It's that you have kept people close to you that are running from God. And because you refuse to put healthy boundaries in your life, you're going down based on somebody else's rebellion. But pastor, that's my mama, that's my daddy. We've been friends since three. It's not worth sinking your future over. The second reason why people end up in storms, the first one is because they're running from God. The second reason is because they got ahead of God. One of the storms the disciples ended up in, Jesus had just fed 5,000. He said, hey, you guys go on and across the ocean or across the sea, and I'll stay here. I know Jesus sent them, but I just don't think anybody has common sense. Nobody thought, Jesus, you ain't going? Oh, cool, I ain't going either. Y'all go ahead. Why aren't you going? Oh, because the creator of the universe ain't going. And if he's not going... I'm not going to preach about you. I'm going to preach about Stephen. There have been seasons in my life that I've been so thirsty for success, I would take it without God. God, that's what I want. All right. You coming? Not right now. You're not ready. But the door's open. Yeah, that's not your door. All right, I'm going to go see. Don't laugh at me so judgmental. You do. Some of God opens doors and we're like, listen, I don't know if this is God or not, but she's fine. So. And we love God, but we're just not including him in our decisions. The storm that we're in is because we've gotten ahead of God. Now, some of you are pastors like, Pastor, that's good. You better tell them heathens they need to stop running from God. But I'm not running from God. And I know I haven't gotten ahead of God but yet I'm still in a storm. A storm I don't think I deserve. Why has God allowed this storm in my life? Maybe the same reason he allowed this storm in Paul's life. You may not know this, but the Bible says that Paul was one of the greatest apostles of all. Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Paul raised the dead, he healed the sick. If you are not a Jewish person, you're a Christian because of Paul, because he's the only person that was willing to preach to people who weren't Jews. Church exists, and yet he ended up in a storm. God, really? 
That's what preparing this. It's simple, but here's what God told me. He said, hey, tell them the reason why they're in a storm is because that storm is going to carry them to a miracle on the other side that they would have never gotten to if it had not been for the storm. He said, you're asking me why the storm? God says, you're asking the wrong question. Don't ask why, ask what? God, what is the purpose on the other side? Here's the thing, and I'll end quickly. Paul was on his way to Rome because that's what God had called him to do. When the shipwreck happened, they ended up on the island of Malta. And what it turned out is everybody on the island of Malta was sick. And when they found out that Paul was a child of God, they said, do you mind praying for the sick? And they brought one sick person to Paul and they got healed instantly. They said, hey, go grab the other one. And they brought another one and they got healed. Next thing you know, revival broke out on the island of Malta and hundreds of people got healed. Paul wasn't going there. He didn't want to be there. But God said, there's a purpose on the other side of the storm that you have no idea, but it is your purpose. Here's what I've discovered. There is no storm that God will allow me to go through that on the other side, I won't look back and said, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but I'm glad I went through that because if I had not gone through that, I would not end up where I am right now. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. I know it's a lot, but you got to understand there is purpose on the other side of this storm. Stop thinking about what you've lost and what you've left and start obsessing about where you're going because he's getting ready to take you to a place that is greater than anything that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. The Bible says that for the joy that was on the other side of the cross, Jesus endured the pain. How do you get through a storm? Don't look at this storm. Look at it on the other side. Jesus was looking at me and you and our sins being forgiven, us being child of God. And he said, you know what? I hate the cross but it's worth it if I get to make them family on the other side. There's purpose on the other side of your storm. If you remember at Union Church, you're like, man, I'm so tired of hearing about his mama. I know it's insensitive. He tells that story every single time. Can I be honest with you? I was a good pastor. I wasn't a great pastor until my mom passed. Because I'd preach to people, but I didn't have any compassion. I spoke to people's pain, but I never felt their pain. Hey, God's full of hope. He'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And before my mom passed, I used to counsel people. Now I just cry with them. I'm like, I've been there. And it hurts. But there is a God that will put your two feet on the ground. Will wake you up this next day. Will put purpose in your heart will put vision in your eye, will put dreams on your life, and will use you for something greater than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. You think your life was over at that moment. That was not the end. That was just a comma. That was just a transportation into the destiny that he has for you. And my heart breaks that you had to go through that. I wish with everything you never had to go through that. But hear the key word, you went through it. You didn't stop in it, you went through it. And the reason why you went through it is because there's purpose on the other side. I wish I had some people in Baltimore and Columbia that you can testify that I've been through a storm, but don't miss it. I got through it, and because I've made it through, I know God in a way that I've never known him before. I trust God in a way that I've never trusted him before. I've seen him move. Hear me. I wish I never got sick, but because I got sick, now I know that he's a healer. I wish I had never lost my job, but when I did, I know that he is now a provider. I wish I never battled with depression, but then because I did, now I know that he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, that will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Here's what the angel said. He said, Paul, because there's purpose on your life, everybody in your boat is going to be saved. 
Here's what I've discovered. Even if I don't got purpose, I just need to hang around with people who do. I've discovered that if everybody in my crew has purpose, everybody in my crew has the hand of God on their life, I'll end up in places that I wasn't even supposed to end up with. But just because my associates were walking in the things of God, just by the grace of God, he took me to places that weren't meant for me. It was meant for them. That's a whole nother. I've ended up in some rooms where people are like, how'd you get here? I'm with him. You need church. Because sometimes you're not going to realize that there's purpose on your life. When you get around people of purpose, there's going to be some seasons where their purpose carries you. There's going to be some seasons where your purpose carries them. Don't leave the ship. Don't jump overboard. And don't you dare curse God because there's purpose on the other side. Hey, can we pray? Father God, we're grateful. God, we're not grateful for the storm. We're grateful for the God of the storm. God, we're grateful that you didn't just say have courage, but you're giving us strategy in this moment. God, I'm praying over people that are facing mountains that they don't even know what to do with God. You're downloading divine strategy in their heart right now. God, I pray that you'd encourage every single person in the sound of my voice that they would know there is purpose on the other side of this storm. Just where you're sitting or standing, watching a line in this room, wherever you are, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, this message personal to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I have been praying for particular people for weeks up to today. And I'm praying for that person that would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I can't say I have Jesus in my life. I thought I had Jesus in my boat, but now I realize all I had was church. All I had was religion. All I had was a belief system, but I've never surrendered to him. Here's what I know. It's never too late. It's a setup. I'm not even going to lie to you. He's been waiting to get you to this moment. So if that's you, you say, Pastor, I can't say I know Jesus the way that you're talking about. I can't say that he's in my boat. I've been running. I've been ahead of him. But I need him in my life. If that's you, can you pray this prayer with me? Matter of fact, every single person in this room, out of encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision ever, say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it with passion. Say, Lord Jesus, don't pass me by. Today, I invite you into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross, for paying the penalty for my sin and my mistake. Thank you for your forgiveness. Today, I surrender. I give you control of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Use me for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that made the greatest? Come on, that's a golf clap. Can you act like people just made the greatest?